This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 1016. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 26, page 1016. This morning I want to talk about Mother Mary, favored by God and faithful. Mother Mary, favored by God and faithful. Now, I'm not exactly sure why it is that in the churches of the Reformation that Mary, the mother of our Lord, doesn't receive more attention than she does. Indeed, she certainly had God's attention when it came time for him to send his son into the world. Indeed, it was the Apostle Paul who famously wrote when writing to the churches in Galatia in chapter 4 and verse 4, and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And of course, that woman was Mary. Indeed, Mary was God's choice. And that's because God knew all about Mary. That she was good. And that she was faithful. Notwithstanding the fact that she was only a teenager, probably 14, 15 years old at the most, that he could trust her 
with what he was needing her to do and that she would do it well. And so we read in our text, beginning at verse 26, in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was her cousin or her relative. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. And in fact, she's, she's mentioned again later on in the passage. In, in fact, Gabriel, the angel, is well aware of her and mentions her to strengthen Mary's faith. But in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. That's pretty good, man. When God says, uh, I got something for you to do. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That is a town about which people commonly ask, can anything good come from there? Well, apparently, at least there was one good thing. <laughs> the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, that is, of the family of King David. And the virgin's name was Mary, or Miriam, which ironically means bitter. <laughs> it's kind of like the name Jabez, you know, in the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez, the name Jabez means you bring me pain. In fact, the Hebrews would oftentimes give a name to a child, and that name oftentimes had something to do with the circumstances of the birth. And so apparently Jabez caused his, his mother pain, and so he had to live with that. Hey, how you doing? You caused me pain. But Miriam's name means bitter. Verse 28, and the angel came, and literally in the Greek it says that he came in suggesting perhaps she was in the house and he entered the house where she was. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. It's extraordinary. He has respect for her. Or as we had it in the, from the Latin, Vulgate, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying, I suppose. I mean, this doesn't happen every day, right? You know, it's like, what time will the angel be here? She was greatly troubled at the saying. The Peterson in the message put it, she was thoroughly shaken. And so Luke says, verse 29, that she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern, tried to make sense of this, what this sort of greeting might be. What's happening to me here? Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. In fact, in the Greek, it's a, it's a present tense with a, a negative, which means stop being afraid. <laughs> because she was afraid. And so the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, in fact, whenever you, we don't use that, you know, we, we don't use the word behold. It's like, behold, the salt shaker is empty. 
wouldest thou gettest up and fill it so I can put salt on my food? Now I'm saying that because that was the trouble at the dinner table last night. <laughs> There's the salt. Yeah, it's empty. It's empty. Behold, it's empty. But, it, but behold, and it literally means, it, we would say, look. And that's what we do. That we do, do say that. They say, now look here. Now that's, that's exactly what this means. And behold, look, pay attention. If you were in Germany, Achtung. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Meaning you will become pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Jesus or in the Aramaic, the Hebrew, Yeshua which means Yahweh is salvation. In fact, in Matthew's account of Joseph's dream, the, the angel says to Joseph, and you will call his name Jesus, Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. Now we're back to the meaning of a name. You shall call him Yeshua, because he will be Savior. And he will be great, verse 32, without qualification. In fact, it's interesting, earlier in chapter 1, the description of John the Baptist, and he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Here it's, he will be great without any qualifying statement. And he will be called Son of the Most High, Most High being a reference to God, the Most High, over which there's nothing higher the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, which is a messianic reference. This is the one. He's Savior. He's Messiah. He's Son of God. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, that is, over Israel, and of his kingdom. There will be no end. It won't be for four years, and then he has to run again. He will establish his kingdom, and his kingdom will never end. It reminded me of something that Shane Claiborne wrote in his book, Irresistible Revolution. He said that in the kingdom will party like there's no tomorrow, and there won't be. <laughs> That's the kingdom. There is no tomorrow. It never ends. But Mary's still confused. Indeed, notice verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Conception, birthing, since I'm a virgin. Literally in the Greeks, since I don't know a man. And knowledge, uh, oftentimes in the Bible, is used this way. To know a man, of course, would be to know a man sexually. And that's exactly what she's referring to. She knows how it works. She's 14. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit... This is the answer to her question. How can it happen? How will it happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And what the angel describes here suggested, if you like, a spiritual encounter rather than a physical one, overshadowing. 
It's not a divine mating as is common amongst the pagans and their myths where the gods take on bodies and, and have, who copulate and have sex with women and then the offspring is divine. In fact, that was said of Caesar Augustus, that his, his mother was in the, the, the temple of Apollo and Apollo was there and in, impregnated her and therefore Caesar Augustus, Octavian, was a god. But there's none of that here. It's a divine overshadowing by both God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, both of whom are non-corporal beings. I mean, the Holy Spirit, that's obvious, right? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is spirit. There's, no, there's nothing corporal about the Holy Spirit. And then God the Father, that's what Jesus said. God is spirit. And what he requires of us is to worship him in spirit and in truth. There's nothing physical about this. But this isn't a big deal for a God who's the creator of all things. In fact, how do you think, suppose this all came to be anyway? It, he, he spoke the world into existence out of nothing. And so, even after conceiving by means of a divine generation of life, if you like, Mary remains virgin. And when she gives birth, she does it as a virgin. And so Jesus is conceived and born of a virgin, even as we say, weakly at least, in the creed. But the angel sensing that Mary is still wondering, you know, how can this be? Because what kind of an answer is that? I mean, what's the reference point for that? In fact, I think she gets to the whole thing, through the whole thing, even as the angel attempts again. Her, her faith is buoyed, but I don't think she understands any more thoroughly than when the, he got started. But the angel sensing that she still was wondering, uh, he continues, notice verse 36, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is her sixth month with her who was called barren. In fact, people just kind of gave up on Elizabeth, like she'll never have a child. And, and by the way, and this was uh, indicative of the age, and what's wrong with her anyway? What did she do that God is cursing her? That she can't conceive and have a child. Well, she did. And now she's in her sixth month. And the angel continues, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Don't forget that. Nothing. Here we're talking about virgins conceiving. That's probably not part of your daily life. But you have other things, and you wonder if God can make a way for you. Nothing is impossible with God. But as it relates to what's going on here, and that first Christmas, as it's all being built up, it made me think of something that Anne Lamott wrote in her book, Plan B, Further Thoughts on Faith. She said, when God is going to do something wonderful, he always starts with a hardship. 
And when God is going to do something amazing, he starts with an impossibility. And that's what we have here. And perhaps it was that last thing that the angels said, that nothing is impossible for God, that clinched it for Mary. Indeed, notice the next thing said, which comes from her mouth. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me just as you said. Or if you like, I still don't quite understand what you're saying. Not all of it. I mean, I understand the conceiving part. I understand the birthing part. But I don't understand how that's exactly going to happen. Except God's going to do something. But I'm here. And I'm on deck. And you can count on me. I wonder, can God count on you? Dame Julian of Norwich, in her book, The Revelation of Divine Love, she said, it's not, it's not receiving the revelation that makes the saint or saves the sinner, but responding to whatever is revealed. It's not receiving the revelation like you do every Sunday. Ooh, there it is, Ephesians chapter 2. Thanks for explaining that. It's not receiving the revelation that makes the saint or saves the sinner, but responding to whatever is revealed. And it was not God calling Mary that makes her who she is, but her responding to the call. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. <laughs> Let it be to me according to your word. And as it relates to you and me as disciples of Jesus Christ, Mary isn't just a character maybe to think about a bit or whenever Christmas comes around. Mary is the model disciple And not just a disciple to be admired like, wow. But a disciple to be imitated. As I said uh, a few weeks back during a conversation after service. In fact, I, was, I think it, it was with um, Lisa and, and Sam Long. They may or may not remember. But I said, I want to be like Mary. Do you remember that? I want to be. That's the point. And so how about you? Behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. Mother Mary, favored by God and faithful. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you. And we apologize. Maybe we think of her so little she had your full attention. And I think she ought to have ours as well. Because it's not just about Christmas and maybe helping retailers 
end in the black by the 31st of December. Oh, there's something so much greater going on that's so much related to the kingdom of God and related to our deliverance and related to providing us a model. What does it look like? What does it look like to be faithful? What does it look like to be a disciple? What does it look like to respond to God, to you in the way that you want? Here it is right here. Behold the servant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Help us, Lord, to have that kind of heart, that kind of humility, that kind of power in cognito, power that you see, but maybe the world doesn't, but it's there just the same. Help us, Lord, to be more like Mary. Indeed, help us to be like her. We pray in her son's name. Amen.